Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. We are celebrating Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, with Phantom of the Opera set to close on Broadway, I am going to be having a handful of what I'm calling Phantom Cats on the podcast. So my guest today uh, has been performing in Phantom of the Opera, but before that, he was Monkish Trap on the fifth U.S. national tour in a swing, and then also a swing on the 2016 Broadway revival. So welcome, Tug Watson. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I love this. <laughs> I am excited to have you. I think you've, you know, you have a, a long cat's history and I'm excited to be able to do this kind of fun, um, collaboration with Phantom, just knowing the parallels with, with Andrew Lloyd Webber's work. Um, but let's start at the very beginning and I love to hear your history with the cat show. I know you're, you're wearing your cat's hoodie. When was the first time you saw it? Did you see it on stage first? Did you see the 1998 movie? What was your first interaction? Well, I think the first time that I officially had seen it from beginning to end was the the movie um but my first interaction with cats would have been i i was five or six my family we were living um in uh, plymouth england and my parents took two of my sisters to go see cats on the west end but they left myself and my younger sister who was a baby at that time with a sitter because they didn't think i would like it um which is hilarious um, and for some reason I knew what the show was and I knew that I wanted to see it. And then of course I just put it in my head. I shall be in this show one day. And I was five or six years old. Um, and then my sisters became dancers. And I remember watching my twin sister, Erin, her recital, she, she danced to Macavity and I was just insane with jealousy. Um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, 10 or 11 or 12 when I started dancing myself, but in that time frame, yeah, I saw the VHS and was absolutely enamored with it. And then uh, I saw the final cast on Broadway the, the the week before it closed. Wow. Okay. So, how old were your sisters when they took her? When they took them to see the West End? Um, Aaron and I were uh, were twins, so she was five or six, and my older sister would have been nine. Okay. So it wasn't an age like we don't think it's appropriate for you. They just didn't think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, it probably was that simple. Um, 
there was no history of thespians or dancers in either of our families, really. My, my mom's father taught drama, but in conjunction with teaching English. Um, so there was really no, and my father was a Marine. So there's really no reason why I would grow up to be um, a musical theater jellicle. Yeah. Uh, so it was just, you know, you didn't, I love that. they didn't no, bring me. There's no jellicle no background in the family. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. That's it. So that's kind of, I think, so they, so your family's kind of first interaction was a West End production. And then you finally get to see it on stage. How old are you when you see the, the original Broadway kind of ending? 16. 16. Okay. Yeah. And this is like, wow. So that's a, you've, you've now seen the broad, you've seen the VHS. You're very aware of what's happening, but now you're mm-hmm. in a much more age where you can understand that the maturity oh, yeah. dance is a little more to it. Um, what was that experience like as a 16 year old? Oh, it was incredible. I was in New York, um, doing a, a, a theater dance summer intensive with the new dance group. And a, any chance I got, I would go see Broadway shows. And, um, I, I knew that cats was closing and I just had to go see it before it did. So I remember just being in, um, the orchestra at the winter garden and I was really aware um, that the show had been around longer than I had been alive. So I was treating it with, with respect, you know, I, I, whether, uh, you know, um, whether it was, um, falling apart or, or really, really well kept. I don't know that I was paying attention too much to that as much as I was just thinking to myself, I'm watching history right now. Yeah. And I remember being completely blown away. I mean, totally blown away. Uh, no expectations other than to just kind of go and pay my respects. Uh, cause I, at that point, I certainly knew I was going to pursue theater. And I also was very aware that it was cats. That was my first, um, introduction to, to theater. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I knew, knew what it was. It was. The VHS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's such a, it's, it is such an interesting thing that when you're like, I look back and I talk to, as someone who wasn't like, you know, I wasn't involved in musical theater. I played hockey since I was three years old. I like it is such a show that is so many people's first VHS or first introduction oh, yeah. or first performance. Yeah. Um, and it's been around for so long that there's this, this just like massive history. Uh-huh. Um, so let's fast forward. Now you, you get the, the tour, you get booked on the tour as, as monkey mm-hmm. strap. So what was, you know, like what, what goes through your mind is that is such your introduction to, to theater and then you get the role. Well, it was, um, <laughs> it felt very meant to be. Um, I had had a friend of mine from college who ended up um, going on and playing Rubble Teaser, Joanna Silvers. And then my best friend in the world, Justin Hubner, got cast as Strap on the tour. And I was on tour with Annie. And then Justin and I decided to move to New York together and, um, you know, give the big city a go. And he had declined to come back for a second year and, um, we were living together and I had heard that, uh, they were looking for an immediate replacement for Monk, Demeter and Tugger. Oh, and, um, and Alonzo. So I just, I had, <laughs> I had just read the secret and I decided I was going to make room for cats in my life. So I packed bags and I found a subletter before I even went to the audition. And, um, <laughs> I had also just, uh, gotten over an injury 
And I now was feeling, you know, well enough to go and dance again. So I went to the audition and, you know, there are a couple hundred people there and I just felt it in my bones that I was going to, uh, be on a plane like in uh, three days. I knew it. And, um, they called back maybe 10 guys to come sing after we danced. And I was the last one to sing. And I, I just felt like going all in. And so Kristen Blodgett, uh, the music supervisor of the tour, uh, and Richard Stafford, when I walked into the room, they were just like, Oh, what are you going to sing? And I decided I wanted to sing, um, how glory goes by from Floyd Collins, totally inappropriate for the show, but the measures <laughs> are really, the measures are super long in that. And we, they were only giving us, you know, 32 bars. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to milk this for all I want. 32 bars of how glory goes is, you know, roughly an hour long. So I was just going to give it all I could. So I sang that. And then Kristen asked me if I knew anything from the show. And my exact words were, I know every word of the show. <laughs> and <laughs> what well, that's confidence. I, I tell you, and I, and I, I don't think I'm that confident in, you know, all the time, but I just had this feeling. So she came up and conducted, um, uh, in front, like three feet from my face, she conducted, uh, old Deuteronomy and Gumby cat. And then she just, you know, looked at me and smiled. And I think she may have put her hand on mine and that was that. And I, uh, just went back to my place and I got a call from, uh, company management and I was on a plane two days later to Costa Mesa, California. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was wild. And thank God I already had my bags packed and a subletter found. I just, I was so ready. I was so ready. So this is, I think this is a, an interesting piece of this because you're coming in through the tour, right? You're not, you're not right. like, it's an, as a coming in late, how much backstory and prep do they give you? Cause I do like, I've, you know, there's and in 2016 and there's always, you hear about cat school and you hear about right, the three right. words and all the stuff. But when you're coming in halfway through, like, what do they tell you to help drive that kind of persona you need to, to play the role? Well, they did, um, they, they had like a three ring binder with all the cats pictures in it and a small paragraph of their character description. And the picture was you know, like that classic Michael Gruber, that, you know, blue ice stare to the camera. Um, yeah. and, and it, I, I knew that character in and out, but I'm also, I don't know. I, I, I was always told I was too short to play the role and not buff enough, but so I had to, amp up my, um, leadership or princely persona. Uh, and, but I was also a replacement. So my rehearsals weren't with the other cats. It was with our dance captains and a couple swings. And, uh, it was really just plugging me into the show. And then throughout that first contract, which I think was only maybe six months is when I really developed my own personal relationships with the other the other cats on stage and, uh, and then, and then I came up with the most ridiculous backstory ever. And, th and that's role, what, so. and that's what we're here for. That is what this podcast <laughs> is doing is I'm slowly documenting the history of everyone's opinion of what their character actually is. So let's, let's start with the tour final. Let's start with Mungus Trap. I want to hear what is your Mungus Trap's backstory and the relationships you play and the stuff that you kind of created to, to sure. make 
to make this uh the story live for you know the the rest of the world that doesn't get to to understand it half the time all right well i'll i'll start with um just a serious little caveat and that is um the 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 source material you know the poems it it doesn't provide character descriptions for all of them and Strap being <laughs> one of them it gives you very uh, little <laughs> very little uh but i am a, a staunch defender that the show does have a plot um and it's uh but it's it's also subtle i suppose uh in all of its unsubtleties the plot is subtle uh oh, the way to best get through it as an actor is to have and to take very seriously your backstory and your your chosen relationships and you know the loves and the, the dislikes that you have with everyone um whether the audience sees just a dancing spectacle or not it the story and the backstory are very internal. So my very serious backstory from Monica Strap, and I know I'm going to get read for filth on all the, the Reddit pages for this. Um, <laughs> uh, Cat's wiki is not going to like me. The backstory for Monica Strap is uh, loosely based on the classic tale of Mean Girls. Um, so... I sort of, uh, I'm took the, where you're going with thank this. you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, sort of, I, I took the conspiracy theory that, you know, old Deuteronomy is King and he has the three sons of Monkestrap, Tugger and McCavity. And they're all sort of, you know, the good, the bad and the hideous appendages of, I don't know, old Deuteronomy or whatever. So Monkestrap being, um, the equivalent of the Prince of Wales is um a, a, an incoming freshman to Jellicle High and <laughs> I, I'm, I should be embarrassed but I'm not because I have too much fun no this, this is stuff. great um, this is fantastic <laughs> and um Grizabella Bombalurina Demeter and uh, the very cool foreign exchange student Cassandra are a year ahead of Monkestrap and they're all abuzz like oh the prince is coming the crown prince is coming and they all want you know to be in his good graces and um Maybe be, maybe be, uh, I don't know, the next princess of Jellicles. Uh, all except Grizabella, who of course is, who Monkestrap finds most fascinating. She, she's not giving him the time of day. But he pursues and he pursues and he pursues. And then for Christmas, he decides to give her a gift. And that gift is a mouse fur coat. And then she's like, oh, well, okay, I love you. Uh, thank you for my coat. And he's like, you're welcome. We are now betrothed. Um, so all is, all is happening and preps for the wedding. And, uh, and then at the engagement party, uh, Monk's youngest brother, McCavity, he's like, Hey, Grizz, let's go outside. Let's, let's have a chat. Maybe have a smoke. I don't know. And they run away together and leaving Monkestrap single and devastated. And the kingdom is all uproared like, Oh no, what's, what's poor freshman Monk going to do? Um, tell me if this is too. <laughs> no, no, keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm falling along. I got okay. a giant grin on my face. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so years later, as Monkestrap is becoming um, uh, heir to the throne, and Old Deuteronomy is tra tra training him to, you know, uh, host the ball, um, Monk gets a call from an uh, unknown number, and it is a very shaky-voiced Grizabella. And she's like, I can't make it to the ball this year, but um, I do have a kitten, and he is your nephew to McCavity's son. His name is Tumble Brutus. Will you please take him and 
and and raise him to be good, not like his father. <laughs> and Monkestrap says, sure, but you can't come. No one will want you there. So he invites Tumble Brutus, who's all full of, you know, bad energy, but a lot of fun and super cute. And um, and that's that's what brings us to the ball. And then she decides she needs to give it one more go with her tribe. She walks into my ball and she has the nerve to be wearing the mouse fur coat. And that's my backstory. <laughs> and uh, I said that to Kristen and to Richard after our... <laughs> After rehearsals for my second year, and they were just they because they asked me what what are what are you thinking here? What your relationship with Grisabella? What is it? It seems very unique. <laughs> and I told them that, and they just stared at me completely deadpan. And I said, "Okay, thanks, bye." <laughs> <laughs> so not validating your story by any no means, like... <laughs> no no. The only people who validated it were you know my the my cast members who all you know I had ridiculous backstories for all of them. So, hey, all right, I have I have a few follow up questions, and then I kind of sure. hear a few more of these because uh, that was and yes, that was I great. have I do have backstories for my characters in Phantom as well. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna get to that. Um, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get to Phantom in a little bit. Um, okay, so first of all, I love the Mean Girls reference because I do I have called Grizabella leaving the tribe her parallels to like the bald Brittany and Lindsay Lohan's kind of like oh, totally from grace before they, you know, yeah. Brittany's made her come back. I don't think Lindsay Lohan's fully made her come back. Um, so I do kind of find that mean girls parallel in your, like in your example, are you, are you like Aaron Samuels as monkey's trap? Or are you just also in the, the mean girls school? I think the mean girls reference really was just, uh, um, just Grizabella and bomb and Demeter. That, okay. That's the only mean girl. So I'm imagining them as, you know, uh, the girls and mean girls. They're the, three, then, yeah, they're the yeah, three and mean then, girls. And yeah, you're and just then Monk is school. just, I guess I'm imagining him as Prince William, uh, you know, the early years. Okay. So, so here's how we're going to do this next part then. Okay. Cause I want to hear more of the, the, um, more of your backstories for everyone else, but I'd like to hear him in, in a burn book style. So give me, mm -hmm. give me the burn, give me the backstory. And then the, what you would write in the burn book about the other cast members that you have these backstories with. Oh gosh. Uh, okay. About which one? Um, who, who do you have the, I mean, I, I don't know how many you have. Like there's, I like hearing about, we can go through like just the song cats. It's probably the easiest. So well, they're, none Jenny, of them, Tugger, you should know none of them are as deep as the monk as stories. The, <laughs> <laughs> so well, I mean, are, are, are your backstories more as playing them with monk or is it as if you were doing them? Um, I think they're just, I think that story was really just for my own entertainment um, and to kind of, uh, in my head, solidify who Grizz is to Monk. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think you have to, right? Like yeah, you, yeah. You have, because there's not, there's not enough, there's not enough, like, lyrics and writing, to your point. No. The poems don't have the stuff. And you know a little bit about, like, all right, there's a couple for sure things that are happening, but you have to fill in the blanks. And, you know, I've had conversations with, with um, Grizabella's of like, do you play Victoria as your daughter or not? And, you know, and vice right. versa and like little things like that. And, and you get different answers. And I've, you know, I've had different answers from two different casts and cast members who played it totally different, but really also the same, you know, it's like, they just didn't, cause it's not spoken. So you can kind of yeah. have yeah. some of that. And that's, and that's the beauty of it. So um, you do the staging and you do, you know, the choreography, but what's, what is up to the performer is of course, um, how you emote it and how yeah. you react to them. So, uh, 
I suppose um, that my story would be completely different if the actress who was Grisabella was um, significantly older than me and she may have been a more maternal character. But um, Anastasia Lang, who played my Grisabella uh, when I first joined, she and I were also roommates on the tour <laughs> and also as roommates with our Tumble Brutus. Um, so maybe that's why they're so involved in my stories. But <laughs> Anna, Anna was... Um, She's she's my age. She is uh, impossibly chic and 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 very very beautiful. So it was easy for me to uh, sort of give her, I suppose, a characterization of my peer. So so I let that evolve into uh, a, maybe a love interest, mm-hmm. um, and that's just sort of where it went. And um, on these on these bus and track tours, you you. You guys are all, you know, living together in very, very tight quarters, and you learn to just laugh at anything and everything. And um, story time with Tug about backstories of the Jellicles was a big part of our tour, and uh, and so that's sort of where my story with Grizz came in. And it was really, I think, just because of who was playing her, and and that moment that Monk and Grizz have when she first enters, and he, you know, blocks off the kittens from touching her, and why. Why is she so dangerous? Is she dangerous just to them or is she also dangerous to Monk? And why is she dangerous to Monk? Because she broke his heart. I, I love it. So story time with Tug. Is yeah. <laughs> fantastic. I love that you're just, I can imagine you on the, in the back of the bus with her or even just, uh, you know, in a, in a hotel lobby with everyone yeah. gathered around and you're, it feels, it feels very more Gus for, for uh-huh. you, you know, which uh-huh. I know you, you did later um, and just telling different, different backstories like that, which is, <laughs> Honestly, where I'm at now with, you know, 90 to 100 episodes um, of this show where we're just purely talking about trying yeah. to figure out the backstories because it's it yeah. doesn't, you know, it's hard. Um, let's I want to let's move to I want to hear your backstories for I know you in 2016, you got to um, swing and you did Bus of Regards and, and Gut. You did that mm-hmm. kind of Bus Gus track. What were your backstories for the two of them? Well, um, I had started. I was a vacation screen for the revival. And, um, when I first got that offer, it was just for a few weeks over the holidays and new year as a singing in the cat's chorus with no covering. Um, and then I, uh, came back to the show in October of 2017 as cat's chorus as well. And they were rehearsing me for Gus and, um, I'll do Deuteronomy. Um, I was living in San Diego at the time I was doing my MFA. So I was flying across the country to go do cats and, um, stepping into it just as cats chorus was, was sort of perfect because I knew the music. They didn't really need to rehearse me. And, you know, I got the credit and it was so dreamy just to be able to sit in the pit and watch Kristen Blodgett or William Waldrop conduct. And, you know, I have my Broadway credit, but then when I came and they asked me to, uh, cover Gus and do, I was, I mean, I wasn't overwhelmed. I was very, I was very well rehearsed, um, and felt very prepared. Uh, but it was, it was, it was magical. Um, and they did, they did give me the three words. Um, and I shame on me. The only one I really remember for, um, Gus was like intuitive. Um, and that spoke to me because, um, like I said, a hundred years ago when I auditioned for the show, I knew I was going to get it. And when I auditioned for the Broadway revival, I just, I felt in my bones that I was going to get this too. And I had imagined it 
when I was on stage as Monk, you know, on the tour, I was like, I can see the theater before me now. This is going to happen. So when I got to start, when I started rehearsing Gus, I just took in all of these, um, uh, I, I guess, intuitive visions that I had and, and all these like dreamy things that I would, um, I suppose use as part of my gestural vocabulary when I was singing, you know, um, uh, uh, Gus's solo before he went into Peaks and the Pollicles. Just, I would see everything in front of me. So almost like, uh, here's Gus, this actor with memories, but also here's a cat with magical powers and, um, almost able to see the future and the past and past lives. So, um, Gus was to me very, um, you know, he's not, he's, Old Deuteronomy isn't the only one with visions, as far as mm. I thought in that moment when I was rehearsing Gus. I was rehearsing with uh, Nathaniel Stampley, who was going in for uh, Old Deuteronomy. So I got less rehearsal time as Dute and much, much more for for Gus. So I was really, you know, thinking about all of, uh, you know, how would I, how would I play this? What did this show look like? You know, all the shows that he had done, and how much do I miss the past? And what I kept thinking about as how much I missed the past was, um, playing Monka Strap and being much younger and much more agile and, you know, doing, doing theater in small towns and old opera houses across the country and how much I missed that. And so that was, that's all that I was sort of, um, singing about as Gus was. That's kind of fun. You know, like you're, you're, yeah. you're early in your career still at that point And then you know, mm-hmm. at this point still, um, and, and you're to play the, you know, the Gus part, you need to have that. So you, you look back on the, right. you know, what you can look back on and, and the memory that I, I do. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, that is, okay. That's kind of fascinating that, you know, again, you're kind of coming in midway. I want to, before we pivot to a next topic though, I do want to hear what are some of the other, when you did story time with Tug, what are some <laughs> of the other like fun stories that you, that you came up with? Like what's one that you don't think, most people are going to say, oh, this was like, there's some, you know, there's the obvious stuff that most of the cats fan Wikipedia has, has written about. And there's a bunch that like right. will assume is truth. What's, what's some of the stuff that you came up with that people would be surprised by? Um, oh gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, I'd say that probably, uh, you know, um, Alonzo and Monkastrap have chemistry. What kind of chemistry? Romantic chemistry. Okay. <laughs> Not necessarily. I don't Not think that one's very, uh, very well spoken about. So this well, is... I only, I only, um, think about that. It's not well, it's not going to be well spoken about. I'm not going to speak <laughs> well about it. Um, or clearly, I suppose, but I came up with that one because, um, I, when I was a swing on my third year of that tour, I went on for Alonzo a few times and the way I kept looking at Munkastrap when, and trying to save him from a cavity and, uh, trying to, you know, be behind him and, you know, be his, you know, um, right hand man was kind of how, uh, you know, I may have done to, um, people I had a crush on just like, Oh, see, see, I can be here too. pay attention to me. I'm here for you. I love you. So it was, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting to hear how you come up with these things based on, cause you're looking at the character that you played for so long. Uh-huh. And you're like, all right, I got, I know it's coming. I know that backstory. I've already written that one in, in detail. And, and now you're seeing it from another, 
Yeah, yeah. now you're seeing it from another lens, and you're like, oh, I got to protect them. And now all of a sudden, there's this romantic the interest that wasn't there before. <laughs> right. It is. It is so interesting how some of that comes up, and then that's how these things swirl, and that's how the the fan fiction gets written. Yeah. Oh, the uh, fan fiction. I I love the fan fiction. Um, I I the, the stories that I kind of had about Stillabub and um. Cassandra are kind of based on some fan fiction that I read and they are, and that those characters with Horkbat and Tantamile are like otherworldly, you know, more moon dust than they are, you know, earthly flesh. And I, and uh, to me, that just explains all of those, you know, witchy moments where, you know, Cassandra stands up and then Syllabub starts to sing, you know, moonlight. It's so I just kind of alien. I, I, I don't know people with crystals in their homes that's where those cats live and uh and i love it <laughs> sounds like you need to write some fan fiction oh my gosh i could i could okay well one more question then we're going to go to the next topic uh, uh -huh. what was your what is your favorite backstory that you wrote like what's the one that's like i'm most passionate about like there's this i mean taking out mom because i know that that's your you know, the one that you created but what's the one where you're like i am i will argue to the death about this one Grace. Okay. Well, that's that's not good for this podcast. But we'll, if that's the case, then we're gonna get we'll get to it at the end. Um, if Grizz being the delicate choices, you're gonna fight to the death. That will be the last. No. Oh no, that's not what you, that's not oh. what you asked. Oh, okay. So you asked what my favorite backstory is. Okay. So let's let's hear Grizz's backstory then. Maybe this will help my argument. Well, it's very it's very in line with monkey straps, of course. But um, I I I love the characters in some Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals of. Um, you know, uh, female characters with a heart of gold and they're, you know, completely misunderstood, you know, like Mary Magdalene. Um, and I just love that archetypal character. So Grizabella, she may have made some mistakes, but I, uh, she, she still it has all these, all this love and, and, um, uh, a want to be around others that feel love and, and, uh, but then there's rejection. And, um, so her backstory after she leaves her engagement party with Monka Strap is, um, uh, you know, she, she lives this life of squalor going from fire escape to fire escape and all across London. And somehow I see her in New York city as well. Uh, and, you know, getting lost in opium dens. And then somehow there's this tumble Brutus character in her life, which just, makes her back up to sobriety and back home to those that she loves. And, and, and then she dies when she gets what she wants. <laughs> it's just so tragic. I love it. I, I, okay. How the marriage, like the engagement party, uh -huh. <laughs> is that, is that like, is that a, a story, um, you know, a, a tug, a tug story special, or is that like well thought about? Cause I don't think I've ever figured that that was part of it with the, the, her leaving as an engagement party. That all happens oh. before, yeah, before we even come on stage. Yeah. 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 That's, that's exposition. And it really was just my own, uh, ridiculous concoction. It is not in any of the binders. Yeah. Um, so that and know. the giving the mouse is part of the, like, that's all before. Well, I, th I think actually I thought about it because I always wondered why she was wearing a fur coat and, you know, no one else was wearing a coat quite like that. I know that, you know, Tugger wears his, his, uh, thing and, and, 
and, and rumple teaser wears garters and tights for some reason, but I was so fascinated with this beautiful mouse fur coat. And I don't even know if it's mouse, but it just makes sense because the cats, of course it would be a mouse. Um, and that's just sort of where I went with it. It fascinated me. I, I, I do think there's a, something I've talked about a little bit is the year before is Jellicle Ball and the year after is Jellicle Ball. Cause we only, uh-huh. and I like that you have an entire engagement party happening before this year's Jellicle Ball. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you thought about last year's Jellicle Ball? Like who's as Monkish Trap, who's the choice? Who's like, how is that happening? How's that working? I think the year before, um, Monkish Trap was much more of a, a novice, okay. uh, maybe, maybe still a teenager cat. And it was really still old Deuteronomy's party. And there is, you know, um, whispers of, um, who, whose, whose years is going to be and what role is Monkish Trap? Why is, why is he, why is he making the speech and the toast and not, Old Deuteronomy. Um, I think those who went, or the one that went before, was um, probably one of Old Deuteronomy's many wives. Oh, interesting. One of his ninety-nine plus wives. Yeah. He's, yeah. So he basically they just. So then, does he? Does he have? Um, is he and Grizabella? Do they have any history? Like, is he just killing off his wife every year? Like, this seems like a much more problematic story if this is the trend. Um, well, I think the reason why this story is the one that's put on stage is because perhaps the one who went to the Heaviside Lair is not one of the 99 wives of Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> so making it, making it unique. <laughs> because he's, he's basically serial killing his ex-wives or his current <laughs> wives up until this point. And we get to see the one because he breaks the, this is his, uh, this is, is such a defense. dark conspiracy theory. <laughs> this is his defense for why he's not a serial killer. Is we get to see one where he has a happy story. A happy Maybe story. he's the one who called Grizz and asked, "Hey, can you can you come this year and be a decoy for me?" I, yes, that's it. That is it. It's um, I. This is fascinating. I. The other thing I, I have a question for you is I, I have I struggle with the Jellicle timeline. So okay. if you're getting engaged as a teenager uh-huh. to Grizabella. How long is she leaving? Like, is it a year? Is she gone for 10 years? Like, what's her well, dark path with McCavity? How long is that? I guess I guess the question would be, um, what's a year to a cat? Because, you it's know, fair. You know are, are, they're a kitten one day, and then six weeks later, they're like a teenager. So what's a jellical year? Is it one every calendar year or one every, you know, every, every other month? Um, so I think in a timeline... Uh, in a cat's timeline, I would say 10 years. She's gone 10 years. Okay. But to the humans, yeah, humans probably a year and a half. Yeah. That's, that's like your, your flight between, uh, you know, Costa Mesa and wherever you're going <laughs> next. Right. <laughs> so much happened. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. We'll be back for more of this cat's catastrophe after a short break. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But I do want to talk about Phantom. Okay. So I want to hear a little bit from you. One is, I mean, I just saw the show. It was phenomenal. I'm one of the few people that hadn't seen it over 30, 35, 30, 30 years. However long 35. 35 years um, yeah. on Broadway. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, when you got casting it the you know you talked a little bit about this earlier but about the parallels of being in you know another andrew lloyd Webber show and then you tease so i want to hear your backstory um you want what was the first thing you wanted to hear about how Just about when you know when you the parallels you saw between doing oh well andrew lloyd Webber shows sure um so a lot of this uh, i i give a lot of credit to uh chris and Blodgett again so i did the the cats tour. And then I was in the, um, tour of the revival of Evita, uh, as a swing. And she oversaw that as well. And then when I was finishing up grad school, um, she had asked me to come to New York and audition for the world tour of phantom. And, uh, I, again, I had that feeling, I think I, I'm going to get this. And I was cast first in the world tour. Um, did you say, you know, every word again, I did not know okay. I did. I, I had, I had my audition packet, you know, very coached and down. I was, I was ready. Um, and I was cast as, uh, an, um, an ensemble member and to understudy the Phantom and Andre. And I was cast pretty much like just outside of the room. I did the audition, did the callback. And then I spoke with the casting director outside the room and I said to her, you know, I'll do, I'll do anything you want. I'll go on the tour, but I really, do want to be at the majestic one day. Um, and you know, that was just me kind of putting things out into the universe. And then, um, I got the call from, uh, Seth Sklarhein, the production supervisor for, uh, the Broadway company. And he, and I worked together on the Vita tour as well. And he said, listen, uh, I saw your tape. We have an open for a vacation swing. Um, do you want to do it? It's, you know, X amount of weeks. And I just thought, well, that's good because I, I got an apartment already in New York and I don't have a job. So I need to, <laughs> I need to have a job. Uh, and I was so happy. I was so, so excited. Uh, and I, I was playing Monsieur Ray A for a number of weeks and then that turned into more and more weeks and I ended up not doing the tour, um, because I stayed in, in New York and, um, the parallels to doing, you know, an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Well, I, I don't know that I can speak so much to the similarities because all those three big shows that I've done, they're so different. You can't really compare them stylistically speaking, but, um, personally, uh, I mean, it was cats and it was phantom as part of my, those, those formative years for me growing up, you know, listening to CDs and tapes of, you know, musicals. So, I, I knew the music as, as well as, you know, as well as anyone else who just listens to things on repeat. Um, so there are such vastly different shows like that's vastly, vastly I mean, different. I, 
I usually try to compare cats to the characters and I, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at this one and I, I struggled. I struggled yeah. to like match them. Cause usually you can tie personality types to most of the characters. And I've done it with a different, bunch of different, you know, other Broadway shows and other TV shows yeah. and other stuff. And I really struggled with this one. There's just not, I mean, I think the closest I got was the, the Phantom of the Opera and McCavity is kind of both have the, the same kind yeah. of feel of like being ominous and yeah. dark, but then it's also not because McCavity gives much more of a villain vibe than the Phantom oh, yeah. for me. Um, so I, I just, I normally I'd, I'd ask you that question and I just couldn't come up with enough of them myself to even feel comfortable doing it. I don't know. I mean, Victoria and Christine, uh, yeah. you know, um, or, or <laughs> Ray A who I'm playing tonight and Skimbleshanks just being really persnickety and, you know, fast paced and organized to a fault. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, I don't know if I ever went on as McCavity, I would probably make the mistake of like internalizing, you know, why is he so evil? Is he misunderstood like the phantom? Uh, and, and no, that, no, that's not how you should play McCavity. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think really just the experience of doing these shows has just been something I'm very, um, I, I get emotional about because I loved them growing up and now they've become, uh, the biggest part of my professional career. Uh, so I'm eternally grateful and I'm also still really happy. I love doing them. I genuinely love doing those shows. That makes it, that makes it better. Right. You know, I, I oh, have yeah. heard as I've talked to cast members that have done all these different various productions, there are people that have loved cats and were in cats and you know, they were deep into it. And there are others that it was a job for them yeah. and they enjoyed it because it was a job and they worked with good people, but it wasn't their favorite show and they, yeah. you know, they, they wanted their paycheck and I, you know, that's part of the, part of the job, you know, part, part of the, the gig, gig yeah. that you, you, you kind of have. And it that. is, it is a job and that's what you have to, you know, think of first, like come to work, do it well. Um, and if you, if you love the job, I mean, that's, that's of course a huge benefit, but it's also, I, I think it's extremely important to try to find out why you love them, you know, yeah, or what you love about them. Uh, and cats, I, you know, I don't think anyone can really understand the show, no matter how big of a fan you are, um, uh, until you're, you, you are in it and you are embodying these characters because, you know, you're making such connections with people on stage, not, not to say that you're, you know, rubbing around a, a sweaty body that, you know, that's very intimate, but the actual, these, these ridiculous backstories I, I said, or I told you are, they actually provided very, you know, real emotional connections I had with the other performers on stage. And, um, Phantom, you know, the ensemble, they all have these great little feature parts. Um, and, you know, I love, I love all the, the, the parts that I, that I cover, but it's not, it doesn't provide that same ensemble camaraderie that, cats is is structured to do for the actor yeah and it's it seems like it's very intentionally done that way you know you have the twins looking uh -huh. ahead like there's a lot of the who's going to do what here like it is and then you know the ball you're all on top of each other for 13 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it is so you're oh yeah you're kind of for, you're kind of forced to do that um yeah it's very vulnerable and yeah, exhausting it's, and that's so fun <laughs> yeah but it's it's a show that's because of you know, you said it, there is a, a, a plot line, there is a through uh -huh. line, there is a piece to it, but because it's, 
not spoken to you directly. Like a lot right. of things that right. like, that's what the new movie tried to do. The 2019 movie tried to add the plot line in for the average person that hasn't seen it. Right. And and that because it's not there, it gives you like you have to do those little things around, or mm. it honestly doesn't doesn't make sense in some cases. Right. Yeah. So, of course. Yeah. It's to some people, it really is just a dance recital with adults and unitards. Yeah, and that's why there's there's such cats haters out there is because yeah. there's some people that haven't thought about it, went and saw it, didn't really you know just followed a little bit along and then said, "What did I see?" and walked out. And, <laughs> and the reason I know this is because I have asked my I've I've been dying to get somebody on the show that has a thoughtful hate for the show. Um, and I cannot find a single person because everybody I talk to that hates it, I say, well, tell me what you don't like about it. And they're just like, I just didn't like it. Not my cup of tea. You know, it's like, there's not right. anybody with a thoughtful reason of why they don't enjoy it. And, and that has made it, you know, kind of hard. It's an easy punchline, um, which is honestly how this started. Cause it was a punchline that started it and you know, it's kind of taken off, but, but nobody really is given a, well, I didn't like this because of this, because of that. It's like, you just don't like the idea and that's it. And that's okay. Theater, you know, everything's not going to be for everybody. No, I mean, I mean, it's I, I, the kind of theater I'm most interested in as an audience member is anything that's polarizing. You know, if I hear a passionate love for something or a passionate hate for something, I'm buying a ticket. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I, that immediately puts me in the middle and you know, I'm, I, I love watching the, the, uh, the theater of politics with, why is something good and why is something bad and why should we hate it or ban it or cancel it? Um, and there are all these arguments about cats, but you're right. I've not heard anything that's like truly thoughtful. It's just, I love, you know, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm the same way. And I, I don't want to, at the time of recording this, I won't, people can maybe figure it out, but I'm not going to say what it was, but there was a show with a little bit of controversy recently. Mm. And, um, between a performer and some of the decisions. And I will tell you, I bought the show, then I bought tickets the next day and I was not planning on seeing the show. So, so I yeah. do think it also does lend to, there's some, there's some like, not, I don't want to say benefit of it. Cause I don't think that like anybody's trying to spark. I don't think it's, they're doing controversy just to controversy. I think, I think the sports world does that. Um, but, but, uh, it, it definitely, I'm, I'm with you. I was not going to see that show, and I did immediately after I saw that because I was like, "Well, let's let's see what the fuss is all about." I agree. Uh, that's. I mean, it's it's exciting, and I, it puts me in a mood to be discerning, but also always yeah. open to um, enjoying it. You know. Oh, I oh, hear oh. Your phantom backstory. Okay. Um, so we've got we've got some really loyal and wonderful fans with Phantom, and you know, similar to. Uh, cats fans. They are repeat attenders. Um, and there are, uh, there's, there's this one who, um, really, really likes the auctioneer and, and, uh, Monsieur Rayet. And I, I don't, I don't mind having, uh, you know, an Instagram, uh, connection or relationship with people if they're reaching out and they just love the show or they just want to thank me or they want to, you know, um, ask my opinion on something. I'm happy to engage. Um, so, this is what I, I wrote about Monsieur Rayet. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, I said, I started it out with the secret is in his tilted hat. I imagine him living alone in his late mother's flat, pretending he is actually La Carlotta and he only wears vintage kimonos and costume tiaras from the opera populaire whenever he's at home doing the dishes, et cetera, et cetera. 
He only drinks floral forward liqueurs and legally changed his first name to Monsieur. He performs in drag one time a year to sold out crowds of queer Parisian cognizanti. So that's how I play Monsieur Rie. <laughs> I, I love that not only that that's what you wrote, but that you wrote that back to a fan. Like that it was just like someone sent yeah. you a DM with what are you thinking? And that yeah. is your response. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this isn't how I play it outwardly. Uh, of course, he's very much like Skimbleshanks. He's, he's got a job to do and he's very high strung, but no one is just as they are at work. You know, when they go home, they're a completely different person. So I, I have to not judge him <laughs> as being rather a tyrant, as I, Monsieur Lefebvre says. I, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're, no one's you're just right. a tyrant. <laughs> there was, um, there was a lot of, um, like, memes and social media jokes about people when during the pandemic when they were stuck at home and you heard your significant other or your roommate's work voice you know like when mm -hmm. they're on a, on a conference call and so I, yeah i love that you have your 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 work auctioneer mr a and then you have your here's what he's doing after right right um it, it's it's it, it's just fun for me but i i also because i joke about it so much you know when someone tells a lie long enough that it becomes sort of truth to yeah. them. Yes. That, <laughs> that's how these backstories <laughs> affected me. <laughs> just, <laughs> I come up with these ridiculous little things. I'll say them to, you know, two or three people to include, um, a fan. Uh, and it just becomes truth. That's, that's that, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, this particular fan has, uh, um, has taken a liking to me because I am also a very outspoken queer individual and, and, uh, this person and their partner sees, I guess, um, representation of themselves through Monsieur Rie, and it just breaks my heart in, in the best of ways when, when they told me this, because, you know, I'm not just doing this to, to, you know, elevate myself or, or just be as gay as possible on stage. I am doing this because, A, I love, you know, these characters, but it's also, I'm very aware that there are people in the audience who are, uh, here to be moved in a, in a way. And if that ridiculous little character translated into something significant to these fans, then that's just beautiful to me. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a true part. It's, it's a part of why I've argued that I think cats and phantom probably for both of them have run for so long is that uh -huh. there's probably a cat for everybody. You know, there's a personality yeah. that you can relate to. Yeah. Um, and that makes it to where it's like, Oh, I, I could, I could see a little bit of me in there and I could see somebody that I would, maybe want to be, or I'd be friends with. And I think that's what some, you know, some of the, the fun of, of that show. And so it is it's right. cool as a performer to be able to, for you to be able to kind of like experience that on the stage, you know, like we're in the audience kind of experiencing, but for you to kind of give that moment to somebody is really cool. Right. But I think what you just said about cats, that's what makes cats a home run. And it's inarguable, um, is that these are not human characters. They are not, there's really no spoken word. And yet, human beings see themselves in a, a, a cat character mm -hmm. and completely, you, you know, if you can't, um, put your finger on it as to exactly why, well, that just has to be good enough because, um, that feeling is something quite ineffable and mm -hmm. period end of story, period. you know, period. Well, let's do a quick rapid fire here to kind of close out the show before we get to the, the, you know, the million dollar question. Okay. Um, so if you could go, I know you got to play a lot of different cats, but if you could go on for one night, anybody, any cat, whether you're, you know, male, female could do it, can't do it. Who would you want to play for one night? Um, well, I think 
Uh, oh goodness. Um, oh, you know, it has to be Bum Ballerina. Want to do it? Got it. Want to do the the sexy McCavity song? Oh yeah, yeah. Love Without that. the baggage that Demeter has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Um, my favorite cats, uh, I'd say, are the twins. Um, I actually did. I played Korokapat in a regional production of Cats before I did the tour, and I just, I, I mean, I love. I am a twin to a twin sister myself, so, and I think, yeah. I think I'm Again, a bit witchy. You can relate. You can I can relate. Can yeah, relate. I, I'm a bit witchy like that as well. So you know, I, I relate to those characters on many levels. Um, and my least favorite cat, uh, I think, has to be McCavity, simply because I don't like the uh, specialty costume. I think it's unflattering. Oh, I was I was gonna say because you broke up your marriage. <laughs> no. No, it's good. It's good drama, but a bad costume is unforgivable to me. Uh, okay. What's your favorite song in the show? In Cats? Yes, in Cats. Uh, the Ball. The Ball. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, how can yeah. you argue against that? Yeah, the um, Warsaw section just uh, makes me almost cry. If Here's my, my, my crossover one. If one of the cats was to haunt a theater, mm-hmm. which one do you think would be best at it? Well, I don't think Gus would be the best at it. I think he would be a little too... You know, obvious. Um, you'd be like, "Oh, hello, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just a cat." Um, so maybe not Gus. Best to haunt the theater. Uh, uh, probably Jenny Anydots because um, people would be walking around being like, "There's that tap dancing chorus girl again," <laughs> and people are looking for a chorus girl, but really it's just a tap dancing cat. So they're looking in all the wrong places, Ooh. which Jenny you know, probably gets a kick out of. I'm telling you. I can come up with these. (laughs) I thought the twins, I thought the twins are already a little terrifying. (laughs) They are, but I think they've passed on that. uh, That's fair. Okay. Um, the, the other one I was thinking about, which I I think Tugger doing it would just be fun, but I don't Uh think that would be the best. Um, I do think there's like a, a little bit of a weird Buster for Jones version of it where he's like, you know, leave me my box seat. Like there's some stuff uh, where I'm like, yes. he's definitely yeah. going to be particular about some of these things. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. But okay. I don't, I don't know that he has the wherewithal to, um, you know, haunt. I think he, I don't even know that he would know that he's, he is haunting. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'd be physically capable to go into all the places that right. the no. phantom does in that show, uh, you know, all over the place. I was like, ah, Buster's going to just be in that box the whole time. Yeah. He probably thinks he's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, million dollar question. Um, mm-hmm. We've now we've we've got a deep Grizabelle backstory. Okay, do you think she is the right Jellicle choice this year, um, or do you think Old Deuteronomy should have killed a different wife or somebody else? <laughs> um, for the sake of it being a piece of you know entertainment, sure, she's probably the best, um, or not entertainment, uh, like thoughtful, I suppose, entertainment with you know a character with an arc, but. Um, I also think there is something very, um, and I've thought this, thought this for a long time, uh, and it, it is just a funny little backstory I'm saving for you. Uh, there is something very British musical and vaudevillian about the entire show. Uh, and I thought one time on stage, oh, how funny would it be since we've engaged the audience by inviting them to our ball or to watch us dance or even telling them, what a jellical cat is. We've let them in on all these things. Why don't we invite them to have some, uh, 
uh, autonomy here. Who do they want to see go to the heavy side layer? Um, and we, Edwin drew the show and we just have them put it to a vote. I am so glad you said that because that has been my <laughs> original thesis from day one. No, uh, really? Yeah. My, so my original thesis from day one has been, well, has, has been, I saw Leona Lewis originally in 2016. Uh-huh. So I thought I'd watch the X factor and that's a voted on by the fans. And so uh-huh. I voted as a fan who I wanted, but I think the same thing you could have. That's you know, you what put, you meant. I've listened to you say, you talk, talk about the Leona Lewis. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay. That is where mine comes from is I want same thing. I want fan voted <laughs> America, you know, not just America, the world votes Yeah. Um, and votes. And I, and I have gone even further. I think you can do this on tour where you sure. have multiple stops in a day where they, you vote on, let's say you start on Monday in a place or Tuesday in a place, you vote on Tuesday and then that character's not eligible the next day. And then you <laughs> vote again and you, you know, you just kill like six cats in the city. But do we do more than just one vote like they do in Drood? You know, is it who dies, who's the lover, who's the killer or something like that? Oh yeah, that could be And it's a different have, show every night. I, I think you could. I mean, the fact that there's at least in the Broadway revival, there's like 30 plus of you, right? Like there's, there's a lot so. of things you could do with that because there, you know, you could have, you could, I mean, there's so many backstories you've talked about. Like you could say, the, is it most going to take over? Is there like all these other right. things you could ask? Like you could have a lot there. Right. Um, I think you could, you could have who, I don't know. There's just endless, but I do agree. Like it's because to me that it's a, the, the actual arc is, is everyone's presenting their best self for why they should be chosen. Right. And so it does feel like a singing competition and yes. that's why the audience should vote. And I think you could rig it up very easily. That's so have, fun. Yeah. Have buzzers in there. So, but okay, I also so, think it shouldn't be a, a cat who, you know, um, has already had like a complete nine life experience. Like if, if we're talking reincarnation here, um, you know, you come back to improve what you've, what you've already you know done in your previous lives and make it the ultimate life. So it shouldn't be someone who's, you know, very, um, uh, you, uh, the, the whole point of going to the heavy side layers to come back as a new life. Right. So it shouldn't be mm-hmm. someone who is very clearly, um, wise beyond their years or, uh, happy and content. It should be someone with a little bit, um, more, uh, more to improve upon. Uh, so you're, maybe, you know, you're the first person that's tackled this the same way I did, which is what I, I love because you're, you're basically saying most people argue who has had the most fulfilled life. And this is why it's mm-hmm. their turn. That's why it's Chris. No, they're done. You're saying I want to vote who has the longest potential career arc. Cause if I'm Simon Cowell, I'm going to try to sign them later. Right. Uh, and to my, to my label. And so right. I want someone who's got years of performance left. And my argument was that X factor usually made groups. And if you look at <laughs> direction, fifth harmony, all these other groups that have, have turned into your point, like they, they break up and now you got another section of Harry Styles and the, the career arc. But I put Tugger and Mustafa together cause they've got, that's my vote. That was my vote right. from day one. Right. So who would be your vote? If you are voting, let's just say on, you know, a normal day performance. So I think part of what your point is, is who, who delivered that night the best as well, uh, knowing that it's going to be different every night. But if you were voting as a Edwin Drew style, X factor style mm-hmm. one night, who's getting your vote? McCavity. McCavity finally yeah. getting his vote. Yeah. We, we, we need him to stop terrorizing. He needs to come back and, and, and do better. 
Yeah. So you're saying it's like he's he's had a rough life. Yeah. We, like this will be an improvement. It's not a reward. Yeah. It's a, almost a punishment because we need him to come back better. Uh, no, I wouldn't say a punishment because he is still a jellical, Um And and I, I want to say that family has unconditional love. So without it being a killing, you know, of someone, it is more a you need to sit down, sir, and think about some things and then come back when you're ready. What you know? does it say about old Deuteronomy if, if with your theory that every previous one was killing one of his wives? <laughs> That's not my like, theory. You, you need to be better. <laughs> That's <not. laughs> I'm sending each one of you every year until I finally choose. Griswold. Oh, it's it's not my it's not my true theory. It's just okay. a funny little backstory it's based on theory. based on those conspiracy theories. You know, yeah, it could be um, a theory. Well, I think I I I would say old Dude is not eligible in my production. Or in my world of cats, because he has already, he's already done it. He's good to go. You know, he's, he's had good lives. He's had worse lives. This is his best life. He's, you know, he's the king of the jellicles. He's good. Um, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's sort of why Grizz is up on the, she's, she's up for consideration. Um, McCavity. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think the twins or Cassandra should do it because they are good to go. They're, they've mm -hmm. had their good life too. So I don't know. Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter what you think anymore. It's going to be an audience vote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could, it, it could be, you know, um, Mungo Jerry going up and, you know, that would be a huge production number. That was, um, the one song I had stuck in my head the first time I saw it for like a week mm. was Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Cause it's repetition. They just say it the is. name over and over and over again. I'm so happy. I never covered those parts. It was so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. so, so incredibly difficult, but I'm also not negating the, the singers in the cat's chorus, um, mm -hmm. as being eligible to go to the heavy side layer as well, because they are still part of the company and they do cover these cats and, but they are without a body. So maybe bring them back. As a kitten. I love it. Adding even more, <laughs> even more potential to this. I'm very uh, fair. You see, <laughs> I, I have, this has been a blast. Uh, so <laughs> many theories that I, I hadn't thought about backstories. I love, <laughs> um, this has been great. How can, I mean, clearly you're responding to DM. So how can people, uh, stay in touch with you on social media? And, um, this will come out right around the end of phantom. So, you know, this is, will be the end of a, a historic run for the show. Um, but how can people stay in touch with you? Uh, my Instagram is, uh, aunt tug, a U N T underscore tug. Aunt tug. I love it. There'll <laughs> be story time with, with tug coming up. Eventually. It's, it's, yeah. And you are, anyone is welcome to reach out and ask for a funny little story. Why not? I think that can be your, it could be your TikTok if you need to, <laughs> you know, if you need an, another thing to kind of, to build on is story time uh, with tug on TikTok. TikTok is, that sounds so stressful to me. It's so time lot. consuming. I know. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I'm now a consumer and, flight user of it for this podcast. Thank you so much. Well, this has been incredible. So <laughs> thank you for, for coming on. Thanks for indulging me. It's, it's fun to <laughs> revisit these th little things awesome. and, and to talk about my favorite shows. So yeah. I appreciate it. So glad to have you. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the wrong cat died, the podcast breakdown of the cast astrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.